This is now where we get to get into the Word as we've been tracking through one of my favorite, favorite books in the Bible. We've been tracking through Romans. We've kind of, every week we kind of set up why Romans is so vital. Uh, if you're not familiar with the, with the setup of the New Testament and, and the Bible, the, the New Testament is the portion that, that talks about our new covenant in, in Christ, and, and it starts with the historical books about Jesus, which are the, the, the eyewitness accounts the, and the aggregated account that, that Luke brings together and that talk about um, Jesus' ministry and whatnot. And we call those the Gospels, which means the good news, and it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those are more those are more historical. They 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 tell accounts and, and tell these different things and follow a follow a timeline. But then as we move into Acts, Acts begins to do the is a historical flow of the the movement of the gospel through the early church. And then after those five, then we come into Romans. Romans is the first letter that Paul writes, and it's helping you and I. Helping people begin to connect and be able to grow in our life in Christ. And Romans is vital. It's important. In fact, through it, we find the crux of what this Christian life is all about, which is why we've called this series Crux. This is what it all comes down to. It can be all this external extra stuff, but when it comes down to it, this is what this is about. And we've been looking at it chapter by chapter, and obviously in week five, we are going to be in chapter five, and we keep coming back to this concept. We just can't get away from it. So when it comes to our life in God, the crux of the matter is that it all hinges on Jesus. Jesus is that connection point. Jesus is where everything moves and finds its, finds its completion in Christ and all through it. And, and as we look in Romans chapter 1, we look at the grace of God and it just keeps going. It's not the grace of God and grace in Christ is not just something Paul just hits on one time and just kind of moves on. He hits it over and over and over. Why? Because religion pulls away from grace. Religion always gets back, always gets back to this place of you and I working to make sure we're in a right place with God. And grace says that Jesus did it for us, that we couldn't do it. Our best efforts fell short and that he intervened on our behalf it all hinges on Jesus and if we forget where we are and where we're stationed because of Christ we everything gets off everything gets off and and folks peace is so vital my uh, as a father and then as as a minister like I mentioned earlier our assignment is to to uh, minister to the next generation and one of the we, we love to see them recognize that man God can use them so there have been a lot of your children who've been a part of our missions trips and, and our kids' camps and those kinds of things that have had the opportunity to stand in front of kids or their peers and share what God's put on their heart. And we give them a little opportunity that, man, they can, they can share and they can speak. And so we, we give them a little Devo time. And a number of years ago, we were doing an outreach and a missions trip in the Navajo Nation. And we're there, and we'd had a number of five kids per trip stand up, and they give a little mini devotion, and, and uh, then the, one of the adults comes in and gives the main teaching. Well, I had my son, Weston, who's now about to go into his senior year, 
and he was probably about 12 or 13 at the time, and we said, Weston, this is your, you're up. You, do you want to do this? And we were teaching on the fruit of the Spirit. His was to teach on the fruit of the Spirit of peace and that Jesus can bring peace. And so he's like, yeah, Dad, but I just, I don't know how to, I don't know how I want to present this. And I don't want to, I want, to, I don't want it to be boring, Dad. I don't want it to be boring. And I said, all right, okay. Well, we, we came up with this concept of, of him telling about this, the story of, of Jesus being in the boat. And there were the winds and the waves. And Jesus says, peace be still. And the whole thing still and we came up with this thing to interact the different parts of the the crowd and so Weston's excited about it he's like yes I can I can do this I can do this so it's his turn and he runs up to the front and he coaches the kids who are just a little bit younger than he is and he tells them okay on this side of the room you're going to be the wind and when I say and the winds blew then I need you to stand up and I need you to shh and move around, and then, and then I need you to come over here, and I need you to be the waves, and he gave them stuff to do over here with the waves, so then he's telling the story, and the winds blew, and the waves shook, and so, and he's got them going, and so, and then he starts really getting into it, he says, and the winds, and they go, and the waves, and the wind, and the waves, and they're just rocking and rolling, and there's a center aisle in this little church, and he's like, and the wind, and the waves, and yes, and runs out the door. Just runs, just pumping his fist. Like he just killed it. And I'm like, uh, you just left him in the storm, son. You forgot the peace. You forgot to say, peace be still. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. And folks, I tell you what, thank God God carries us through the storm. But praise God, it's about the peace. Let's look at Romans 5, chapter 1. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have peace with God. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. In the middle of your storm, in the middle of all the stuff, even if you're an active participant in it, your flesh gets wound up and you get on and you're part of the storm. You have peace with God based on what Jesus did. You recognize who he is and he's Savior. You have peace with God. And we come back to that foundation place and we bring peace from a place of peace. How hard is it? Where are you, how are you going to bring peace if it doesn't exist? You going to try to go and get and paint a room with an empty paint bucket? Stick in there and hope something happens? No, you have to have a resource of peace if you're going to begin to apply peace. You have to have a resource of peace. And we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now you can leave it sealed and leave it in the paint bucket and, and, and nothing gets changed in your life. Or you can dare to believe, open it, and then that peace, that reservoir of peace that you have with God can begin to come and paint your world in a place of peace. It's your choice. But as a child of God, you have peace with God. So many times we come in and we think... Things get crazy, and you're like, what did I do to make God mad? Life's a mess. What did I do to make God mad? Why do I not have peace with him? All, everything's out of mess. What did, I, what did I do to tick him off? 
you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We have this grace that then we can grow and we can stand in it. We have access to it through faith of understanding he's for us. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not in the, not in the hope we work up, not in the hope we do, but we boast in the hope of God's glory and what he has done. See, what I want us to look at is the next thing we get into is something I feel like is, is really, really pertinent to all of us. Is that even the difficult things in life, once we're at a place in peace with God, even the difficult things in life can now be turned to good by God's love. It's not that you pray this sweet little prayer and you, you have your mindset set just right and now all problems don't happen. It's just not the case. There's pain and suffering in this world. And the enemy wants to inflict it on those who, who love God and are pursuing him. And so many times we can sit there and if we don't understand the foundation that we have peace with God, we can look at that, the pain and suffering in, in our own life and, and, and in the world in general and go, wow, God's just, he's mad at us all and, and all of the different stuff that we have, that we have seen in our life, but you talk to anybody who's had any sort of, of length of walking with God, of doing this life of faith, of knowing God better and trusting Him more, and they, they tell their God story. They always, inevitably, they tell about the struggle and the suffering that the grace of God has carried them through and has brought a turnaround in without fail. Without fail. It's like we want to brag on God. We want to show how big and how awesome our God is. We always look at the place where that goodness shined the most. And somehow it was always in our own struggle and our own pain and our own suffering. And then God comes through. And God is faithful and we find strength we didn't know existed. And miraculous hand of God moves and all of those different things. When we... Think about this, the, the, the beauty and the great, greatness of God. We always see him in that place. Not that God gives us pain and suffering so that his goodness can show off. How horrible is that? It'd be like, a, some, like somebody making, making somebody sick so they could come in and make them well. That's depraved. That's messed up. God doesn't do that. He doesn't create tragedy so then he can be the, the hero He's not the firefighter that sets a house on fire so he can go put it out. That's not our God. But there's an enemy and there's a broken world. And outside of that, there are you and me. There are you and me. And you want to be real honest? You want to talk about some sources of evil and pain? You just be real honest about some of the pain you've inflicted on others. Some of your words, some of your actions. It's not about beating anybody up. It's about being honest. That, yeah, we can say there's, there, there genuinely is, there's an enemy. There's a, there's, a, there's a bad accuser, a bad devil out there. Without a doubt. That there are these things and there's this, the, the world was set into chaos. Was actually broken 
when humanity, who was in charge of the earth, went rogue. And the whole earth, you can go look back and look at it. Everything broke. Our ecosystems, everything got jacked up when humanity went rogue. And a lot of the pain and the suffering we see just in our natural environments and tsunamis and mudslides and all that kind of stuff can come back to things getting out of order way back in the garden. But when we look at just our, our, what we do to each other, oh, man. Man, I'm telling you. It's, it's rough and it's, it's difficult. But I tell you what, God's grace comes into the middle. Cause why? Because this is where you and I were. This is, what, this is where we were. He had to come and rescue us where we are. You're like, we're on a war field. God, if you loved us so much, well, it's because that's where we were. Of course, that's, he's going to come and rescue us out of there. That's where the miracles are going to happen is in the middle of a battlefield. That's where we were. You're like, God, if it, why are there bullets flying around on a battlefield? Because it's a battlefield. There's this struggle. There's this place. And thankfully, God's goodness and grace trumps it all but you and i have to believe that and to connect with that let's look at romans chapter 5 verse 3 it says not only so but we also glory because he was because the verse before says we glory we boast in the hope of the glory of god not only so but we also glory in our sufferings well that sounds kind of messed up how do you glory in your suffering because we know that suffering produces this perseverance. That just because things get difficult, we're not going to go, all right, God, you had your chance. I'm, this, things got tough. I'm done. I'm out of here. Well, no, we, we trust God. We let the patience, the kindness, all that carry us through. God's, God's spirit at work in our lives and perseverance produces character and character, hope. And hope doesn't put us to shame. It doesn't make us look like fools in the middle of this because God's love has been poured out just drenched on us, poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When Cutie and I, when we talk about our God story, there are things that we talk about and struggle and suffering and difficulty are in there. We talk about saying yes, saying yes to ministry. And all of a sudden, our known income getting cut into a fourth of what it had been. And our known resources. And starting a family in the middle of that. And every month for years, where our money was coming from did not even remotely cover our known bills. And we did not live extravagantly at all. And walking in that tension of knowing that God is a good God and provides. And watching him do it, not week after week or month after month, but year after year of this way and that way and seeing his faithfulness. And every time it would come in, every time God would provide, we would celebrate. But I tell you what, you say, did did you ever not have a knot in your stomach? Everyone's, no, we would still have the knots. Lord, rent's due today. Lord, these different things. And you're like, Brandon, is that suffering? Does your financial stuff cause you pain? How many people are on, are on <clears throat> antidepressants just for financial stuff? Have to deal with stomach is- issues and ulcers over that. We would talk about the struggle. We would talk about 
the place where at six months old, our oldest daughter, who's 19 now, rolled off the bed, broke her leg, carried her to the ER. I'm in the middle of a construction project at a brand new youth building, and I just look like a regular old messy construction worker. My daughter had, had sat there, had just, all she had was her diaper on because Cutie was checking her out and she didn't put clothes on her. Go into the ER and people make adjustments or make decisions because I'm dirty and nasty and my daughter comes in and just a diaper on who we are and what kind of people we are and these different things and CPS gets called in and I get interrogated and they separate my wife and I and she gets interrogated and and she's crying and I feel helpless and getting accused of something we didn't do and calling out to God and wondering if they're going to take our children from us. It's miserable. And we saw the grace of God manifest through the body of Christ as person after person rallied to our side. And they finally call our home and said, tell them to stop calling us. We can't get any work done. There are too many people calling us character witnesses for you. Tell them to leave us alone. We're dropping the case. But it was a long, miserable weekend from Friday to Monday. We talk about the God sustaining us. We talk about the struggle of saying yes to starting Celebration Church. It was it was hard. It was hard. It was a hard decision. We talk about the struggle of my wife having to deal with me when I've never dealt with an ounce of depression in my life. And I go into this intense, short depression as I'm struggling over whether or not we're supposed to start Celebration Church. And all of the different stuff and all of the relationships and everything that I hold. We were putting everything on the line for this. And I just didn't want to miss God. I didn't want to do something arrogant or stupid or any of those different things and it was it was hard and and God sustaining us and and working through that as we as we said yes to God we talk about the grace of God carrying us through three very difficult miscarriages and here on Father's Day having to uh, having to have in my in my heart Three faces that I'm going to have to wait till heaven to get to see. And the struggle that that created individually and as a relationship. As we each processed it in our own ways. We tell about the grace of God being bigger than any of that. And you have your story. You have yours, and you tell your God's story, and I guarantee you there's some pain and there's some ugly in the middle. Why? Because that's where we turn to Him the most. We tend to kind of take the good things like we did it. Roll with it. We get kind of credit for that, for the good moments. And then when we hit the ugly times, the hard times, like, God, where'd you go? But He is faithful. He is faithful. See, God showed his love by caring for us when we didn't care for him. How do we know we have peace with God? How do we know this is not based on us being the perfect little kids? That here on Father's Day, looking up at our Heavenly Father, thinking he's expecting perfect children? 
or he's going to somehow backhand us or, or remove his blessing off of our lives or all of this sort of crazy stuff that can come in here? Why? Let's look at what Paul tells us, what he drives into us there in Romans 5, 6. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. You know how we know? How we know we have peace with God? How we know we can come and we can operate with Him based on Him being for us, based on Him loving us, is that while you didn't give a rip, while you didn't care at all, Christ died for you. That's how we know. Because He poured out the most love He could possibly could when none was reciprocated at all. So you think that on the heels of that, that now we got to keep this little love thing with God going by by how good we do this thing? No. No. Verse 9, it says, Since we now have been justified by His blood. That word keeps coming up every week. Justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if there was never sin any problems between me and God ever. It's like we've always been cool. Never been an issue. Justified by His blood. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? Or if you're here wondering about God's wrath, I think Paul's pretty clear. If we were if we were made right with it, he's not all of a sudden on the back end going to bring some wrath on us. How clear can it be? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of a son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? That's why we dare to believe that our life, that we can continue to grow in Christ without growing perfectly. You're like, well, you can grow in God, but you have to do it just right. You have to do all the steps just right. That's not the case. We grow imperfectly. Because that's the only way we're, we do it. I haven't met anybody who's grown perfectly. I haven't met a person who's done it. Which is why you get close to the person from a distance you think is the best Christian ever. And they're always from a distance. It's never somebody you know personally. You, get, you saddle up to them and you spend a few weeks with them and all of a sudden it's like, oh crud, they're real too. Yep. Even if they faked having it all together. You get close to them and that's where all the disillusion and disappointment or somebody tries to put on something that doesn't exist. We're all, we grow, but we grow imperfectly. Why? Because God's love is there. If he's going to do that for us while we were enemies to him, how much more is, is his love and grace going to work while we're trying to cooperate with him? While we're his children actively pursuing him? Folks, we have to get this deep down in our heads and in our hearts. Not only is this so, but also we boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ to whom we have now received reconciliation and John echoes this in 1 John 4.10. This is love. 
Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Do you want to understand love? You can't do it by looking at a person. You can't. You can't. We have to look at how God, that's our definition of love. How he responded to us is our definition of love. Not that we loved, but that he did. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's dealt with. It's over. They're handled. So the gift of grace, it beats sin and death every time. Every time. Grace wins every time. Now there's a couple of verses we don't have time to hit. Verses 12 through 14. We're covering a lot of ground this morning. But in those, Paul talk about how sin and death entered humanity through Adam. And with Adam, him making that decision to have the knowledge of good and evil, then we were all born, as, as being heirs of Adam, we were all born with a knowledge of good and evil. And therefore we all, on our own, go rogue and bring with it these, the, the consequences and destruction of sin. So uh, sin and death entered humanity and entered our bloodstream through Adam. But then guess what? Through the one man Jesus, all of the sin of humanity gets dealt with. It's we have this, this watermark moment and then we have another one that just deals with it. Let's look at verse 15. It says, but the gift is not like the trespass for if if the many died by the trespasses of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The gift of God is so much bigger than our sin stuff. You can't compare them. Whether well, sin and grace, sin and grace, sin and grace, these dual realities of sin and grace. Paul says you can't compare them. There's sin... That has stuff, and grace just wiped it out. It's not this little balance beam. It's not this little thing where these is the opposites. It's no grace wiped it out. You can't compare the two. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses. All of the pain and the suffering we see that we do to each other all the time, grace swallowed it all up. And it brought justification. We move forward in verse 17, which says, For if by the trespass, I'll tell you what, let's do this. You have the message translation for me? Let's look at this in the message translation. I love the way it says this. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, you got it? It should have been in there. Okay. All right. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes? Sovereign life. In those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that the one man Jesus Christ provides. Here it is in a nutshell. 
Just as one person did it wrong and got us all in trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us all out of it. But more than that, just getting us out of trouble got us into life. One man said no to God and put many people wrong, and one man said yes to God and put many people right. All that passing laws against sin did was to produce more lawbreakers. But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. All sin can do is threaten us with death. Now I'm going to tell you this. There's stuff that stands outside of God's best for us as believers. And you willfully walk in that as a believer and you are going to bring in your earthly life the consequences of that. You can't just say it's covered by grace and not and that there's your things are consequenceless. You decide I can still because I'm covered by grace. You're going to go to jail. PD will put you there. They will take care of you. You can't say, well, sweetheart, it's covered by grace. I'm going to go spend the night with this lady. No. Your marriage is trashed. It's messed up. You can't do that. You can't just sit there and have God's precepts and God's best for humanity and say, well, we can just do it because it's covered by grace. There's still going to be the natural consequences of that. There still will be. But our relational, the relational part of it with God is settled forever. All sin can do is threaten us with death. It will bring death to relationships. It will bring death to our bodies. You want to blow off trying to be, uh, uh, take care of our bodies like the Bible says? And guess what? You're going to bring sickness and disease on yourself. It happens. It brings death. And that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, invites us into life. A life that goes on and on and on. World without end. When we look at the version, the NIV version that you have in your notes, I want you to look at verse 20. It says, The law was brought in that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. I want you to look at your notes, and we don't do a whole lot of Greek study here. We just, we're just not that deep, I guess. I don't know. And so, but we don't hit that. We don't hit that here. I don't bore y'all with Greek words, but this is an important one. And the way this is said is who prepare isuo. And I had to practice that. But this is a compound word. And this is talks about where grace increased all the more and you take increased all the more and it is who prepare isuo and it's two words it's hooper or hooper if you're going to say it west texas which is where we get the which is where we get our word hyper from and we hyperactive hyperdrive, all that fun stuff for all you star tricky people um and so uh but Huper means over, above, or beyond. Good word. We get that. Hyper means above, beyond. We get that. We understand that. We connect that. So it's just over, above, and beyond. Okay? Now, you're, normally you put, uh, put a word in front of that that means over, above, and beyond. You're going to put it in front of some word that maybe needs to go over, above, and beyond. So let's look at perisuo. 
It means to superabound, to be in excess, to cause us to superabound or excel. So here's a word that should have been able to stand alone, that grace superabounds. Paul is a very intelligent man. He's a very learned man. And so he's sitting here and he's, as he's writing this, and he puts this and says that grace is going to superabound, perisuo, but he decides that you're not going to get it. You're not going to get how big this grace thing is unless I use this word, which is going to let you know they'd go over and above to superabound, to super, super abound. However big you think grace is, it's bigger. However big you think, however far you think this goes, it's bigger. It goes beyond this hyper abounding, this super abounding grace. And you know what? You and I ought to take some comfort in that because we can sit back and we can watch our Twitter feed or watch our Facebook page or check the news and go, guess what? Sin is abounding. Guess what? We have the promise that grace does much more abound. We can preach the goodness of the gospel and it can go forth and our world has not gone to some place where God can't bring life. It is not beyond hope. So what do we do? We double down on grace just like Paul did. We double down on it. This is this place. There's, a, there's a, 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 a phrase that gets thrown around that people get called hyper-grace preachers. Well, Paul's obviously a hyper-grace pe- preacher because he actually coined the term hyper-abounding grace. So that's just a, it's a Paul thing. So if you've got to beef with that, you've got to beef with Paul. So he's the one that wrote it. And so that's where this is, folks. We have to understand that is where we are. Golly. And we're in, we're in chapter 5. And he just keeps letting us know over and over. It is about the grace in which we stand. It's about what he's done. And it doesn't stop. It just keeps rolling. Why? Because this is our number one thing we have to connect with. If you don't get it down deep in you. That you're at peace with God. That it has been settled forever by what Jesus has done. You will not interact with God properly. But man, when we do, life really begins to come in. Things really begin to shift. And you can begin to see the beginnings of those things you've craved for so long. Those things that drive you up the wall begin to shift and change. And the life in Christ you were meant to live. Come shining through. See, the bottom line is this. God loves us beyond human understanding. We almost have to make up words to try to wrap our minds around it. And it's still not enough. He loves us beyond human understanding. And here's the good news. Jesus brings life to us all. He just does. He just does. So I want to create a moment here. I'm going to create a moment to where you go, Brandon, I get it. I get it, I get it. This relationship with God is not about me trying harder. This is about recognizing that Jesus did it all. And I believe that today. So if that's you here this morning, we want to create a quiet moment. And that you here today, I want to just raise your hand. You say, Brandon, I believe it. 
I believe that Jesus did it all and I place my faith in him. I believe I'm right with God. I'm at peace with God because of what Jesus did. And if that's you, just lift your hand. We're going to pray with you. Wonderful. Let's make this declaration together. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that I'm at peace with you because of what you accomplished through Jesus. That I am forever right with you. That while I was an enemy, you were loving me. While I turned my back on you, you were chasing me. And I thank you for that truth today. I choose to interact with you based on grace. I give you permission to work in my life and transform me more into the image of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yes. Woo! Amen, amen. Well, let's stand up. I want to pray over you as we go out of here. We got the Hernandezes over here and the Lahones over here. If you need any uh, extra prayer whatsoever, we just pray blessings over all of our fathers. We thank everybody who was over in T9 this morning. Thank you for being a part this morning. But Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for you and all that you have done for us. Lord, we go out of here, Lord, with your grace fresh on our hearts and minds. Lord, a readiness, Lord, to interact with you and interact with the hurting humanity based on a place. Lord, that we are loved and made right with you based on Jesus. We are finally free to love. We're finally free to give. We're finally free to be who we're called to be. And we're thankful for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have an amazing Sunday. Thank you for being here.